Kobe, as I was saying at the beginning, you and I both picked five of our favorite streaming series, mm. and uh, we want to recommend them to everyone. We're going to do this as a non-spoiler discussion. So, you know, I we don't we don't want to spoil like an entire season of like really good TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I, I we want whatever we're talking about here, it really is a recommendation. You know, this is something that we're suggesting that you watch. So we don't want to turn anyone off from the idea of uh, watching any of these series. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to let Kobe do one of his picks first. All right. Um, I'll, I'll begin with this. My picks are not going to be anything monumental. <laughs> um, they're pretty, pretty, no, well, and, pretty well known. And you know, I'd imagine both of our picks are going to be things you, uh, people have more than likely already heard of. They're, mm-hmm. you know, pretty well known series, but I still thought it might be interesting to hear what our, our favorites are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will, I'll just say Breaking Bad, very popular, I know, uh, but easily uh held up throughout time as my favorite uh drama series pretty much of all time um i it was like the first drama series i actually got into um couldn't stop watching it when i did watch it for the first time uh what can, what can be said about breaking bad that hasn't already already been said i don't know uh the characters are fantastic and the development they uh, go through is is wonderful through throughout all five seasons the um the environments are like they're clean and crisp and the storyline is just free-flowing it's it's really wonderful and yet at the same time it's like so disappointing that i can't see it for the first time again i know that's like a cliche but it really is one of those shows that I kind of wish I could see all over again without any prior knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of those kind of shows too. It, it, it's kind of the sad reality when you finish binging something and then, you know, you can't, you can't have that first experience repeated again. <laughs> and yeah. as, as enjoyable as these shows are on rewatches, I mean, nothing, nothing beats that like initial experience. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I was like an OG Breaking Bad fan. I I, I started watching in late season one, hmm. and and I followed all the way through to the finale live on TV when I still had cable. Damn. Yeah, I mean, and it was an experience then too. And I have rewatched it since. And I, I mean, I, I feel like we should point out that Kobe. I mean, I you've rewatched it what like forty times? <laughs> yeah, somewhere somewhere close to that. Uh, with friends <laughs> by myself whatever yeah i mean at, at this point you could probably recite the show line for line <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> uh i've only seen it twice i during the during the pandemic i did decide to rewatch it finally hmm. and you know kobe is 1000% right I, there you are hard pressed to find another show on that level of quality everything else that we're going to mention today is obviously fantastic but but breaking mm-hmm. bad really was one of the kings of the like prestige television era yeah it's i i guess it's like legendary now like it's not uh it, you know it's not some some hidden gem and for a lot of people i'm sure they might go into it and feel a bit disappointed but i think every single time i rewatch it i still feel really good about it um it's maybe not the most complex show in a lot of ways but i think it's super competently filmed and set up and it's also intricate and it's not there's not like any bad episodes in my opinion uh some people don't like uh there's like a bottle episode uh that i won't go into detail about but well i mean uh, you don't have to just don't spoil it i mean if you want to like give a broad there is an episode um, where the two main characters are basically stuck in one location the entire time, and they're not really doing anything related to the main storyline, which is um, Walter White, this 
this man with cancer, uh, 50 years old, trying to make a living for his family because he knows he's going to pass on. He decides to cook meth, whatever. So we kind of divert from that path. And obviously at the time of, of watching it like live, like you said you did, um, I'm sure that was maybe a bit more painful to have to watch an episode that sort of diverts so far away from the main story for like an episode. No, but, no, 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 not at all. I actually oh. know exactly what episode you're talking about. And mm-hmm. oddly enough, it's one of my favorites. Mm. Uh, well, you know, this this episode, it is sort of, it's sort of removed from the broader narrative. Right. But it also holds a high level of psychological importance to the development of the characters. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I would say that its involvement in the overall plot of the series is more understated than anything. But I right. think it's a really fantastic episode, and I think it actually kind of stands on its own. Yeah, it's it's not at all blatant, which I think a lot of people have an issue with because uh, I guess they they don't feel like anything is happening when in reality you have these two characters uh, sort of revealing themselves or becoming more acquainted with one another. Uh, and that's really valuable in a show that is going to have these characters for so long. Like you don't want to feel nothing for them. You want to have some sort of connection there. Well, and it's not a spoiler. You can give our audience the title of the episodes. They know to look out for it. Uh, it's called fly. Um, uh, it's like middle of season three or something like that. Yeah. So if, if you do, watch Breaking Bad. If you haven't ever seen it before on our recommendations, do be on the lookout for Fly. And, you know, I mean, we'll see what uh, your takeaway from it is. But like I said, it's it's definitely one of my favorite episodes out of the series. It, it really, because it's so different from everything else that happens over the course of the series, it really stands out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that kind of gives it a little bit more power, actually. Yeah, I think um, in the grand scheme of things, it's really it's really nice having that episode. Um, there's there's a couple more that are like that, but uh, not not nearly as removed, I guess, as as Fly is. Um, but overall, it's just really great. Well, uh, so I think that pretty much covers breaking bad Ob- obviously it's a it's a major recommendation from both kobe and i we've both seen it and we've both seen it more than once so i would i would watch it again in fact me too i i, I will i will add that while we were primarily talking about breaking bad as a series there is a breaking bad movie that acts as a follow-up mm. uh it's it's called el camino and I think Kobe likes it a little bit better than I do. I, I think it's it's okay. It it feels like a long episode of Breaking Bad. You know, it's it's like an epilogue basically, right? But so there's some fantastic. odd in, inconsistencies with it that yeah. I uh, take issues with, and I I also see it as being slightly pointless. <laughs> I think I feel so good about it just because it could have been a lot worse. Um, and it could have even maybe not okay it wouldn't have ruined the legacy of like breaking bad but i think it could have tarnished it in a way um and i don't think it did that i think it's like you said pointless it's pointless enough to where it doesn't affect anything in the grand scheme of things yeah i i, w- I would agree it it certainly doesn't tarnish anything yeah. i just don't know if it justifies its existence entirely mm. but uh i mean i i know that your opinion isn't is super Super different than mine. Right. <laughs> um, I, I also want to add that there is a good chance that in the future, since our podcast is primarily about movie, but it's movies, but it's also about uh, cinema and and content as a whole, I guess mm-hmm. that we could maybe do spoiler episodes on seasons of these shows or even an entire episode surrounding just one of these series i i would say it's actually a a fairly high likelihood especially right. in the case of something like breaking bad that we both adore so much mm-hmm. but I, i'm gonna give one of my picks now and and my first pick is dark now kobe has not seen dark so i'm, I'm gonna be extra extra careful <laughs> to edge around spoilers 
Dark is a Netflix miniseries that is produced in Germany. And I got into it probably about a year ago. It was it was coming highly recommended. It was very highly reviewed, and I was really intrigued by it. Uh, I'm I'm a Stranger Things fan. I didn't mm-hmm. like the last season all that much. Um, it's it's really kind of just popcorny, you know. It's it's enjoying to watch. It's it's nothing like moving or groundbreaking, but it's it's entertaining. And right. you know, people were describing dark as like a more grown-up and adult stranger things and i mean i just want to say like right out the gate those people are like entirely entirely wrong like that's really not an appropriate way to refer to the series at all i think it's kind of a little bit reductive hmm the the strength of its story it goes like beyond maturity so it's it's not really like this thing that I would look at in terms of it being like a more adult Stranger Things. It seems to me that the only reason that people would say that is that in the first season, there is a lot of 80s nostalgia mm. for a, a very good reason. And I will say that the, the premise of this show is centered around time travel. And so the the characters in the present do go back to the 1980s. And so that's where you get this kind of Stranger Things aesthetic. But that 80s nostalgia isn't the focus of the show at all, like it is in Stranger Things. It's not about being a nostalgia trip. This is probably the single most interesting and powerful concept of time travel I have seen in any kind of like tv movie book storytelling in general like the way that they handled time travel was really really grounded and strong and the series just keeps building on itself there's so much mystery around every turn um like constantly you will you will get a reveal in the show that will like lead you to ask even more questions and thankfully, I'm pleased to say that the show is like completely wrapped up now as of season three. And despite it being this like grand time travel concept, you know, this like time travel can have so many pitfalls when you're mm-hmm. when you're telling that kind of story. I mean, it it can create so many plot holes. It it it, it can be such a mess. But thankfully, not only is the way they told the story of the time travel strong but they concluded it in a way that wraps up every loose end and every plot hole pretty damn perfectly. That's, I mean, that's kind of a a miracle to get because I think a lot of, a lot of shows go through a very good run, but when you come to the last season or the last couple episodes, you're really like preparing for disappointment because there's no possible way that you can, uh, impress everyone with what you're trying to do um obviously i haven't seen dark myself but uh (laughs) i've seen in the past few years it's it's difficult to wrap up a series so that's that's good yeah well and you know and this this is not just a recommendation series to our listeners there's a couple series on both of our lists that we uh either one or or both of us haven't seen i actually no, we've each seen <laughs> everything <laughs> on our individual list, but right. you all get what I'm saying. Uh, so, but anyway, this acts also as a as a recommendation series to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have been trying to get Kobe to watch Dark for a while. I I think he would appreciate it. <laughs> and it's you know the the entire show is in in German, so you will have to read subtitles. It's not an issue for any of us since we mm-hmm. like watching foreign movies. Um, but the acting is is all fantastic. I mean, I, I obviously don't have a background with any of these actors who are in the show. Mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of German TV, so I, I I don't really know what else they're in or what their other roles look like, how good they are in other things. Right. But in Dark, they are fantastic. They're they give really like mature and real performances, very raw. 
but that pretty much wraps up my thoughts on dark Kobe. What's your next pick? Pretty much. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. Uh, well, the title, obviously the wire, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, pretty much, uh, it's, it's rising up there to be one of my favorite, easily top five. I don't know where it ranks exactly, but, um, really very real, uh, police drama that, well, it's not just about police. I think that's the beauty of it. It's about everyone in Baltimore. Um, like the, all the things that make the city run and the different problems that come from the government and, uh, the drugs and the police and all that sort of thing. Uh, it's like only 10 episodes per season. There's five seasons. And yet there is so much content in this show. There's like stacks of characters to love. And I cannot say that any of the seasons were any worse than one another. Uh, A lot of people don't like season two uh, that focuses on like, uh, again, I'm not going to spoil anything um, just broadly focuses on the dock dock workers in Baltimore uh, and like unions and that sort of thing. Um, First watch, maybe, maybe not so great, but I think on rewatches it fits really well into the, the grand scheme of things. The first season is focused mostly on the Baltimore police. Second stock workers. Third is the government. Fourth is the schools and the children that are being affected by these gang wars and uh, all these politics that are made to screw people over and, and get other people money, that sort of thing. And then season five is about the newspapers. So there's like, it almost feels like a documentary at times um, in, in how well it explores uh, Baltimore's uh, like socio-political uh, environment, at least in the early 2000s. Uh, I cannot recommend the show enough if you want fantastic performances, fantastic characters, uh, a plot that never gives up, uh, and some of the most real dialogue that I've ever seen in a show. Yeah, well, and so it's my turn now to say that I have not seen The Wire, and I, I don't really have an excuse, as I have HBO Max. <laughs> and I, I do very much appreciate uh, HBO shows from that era, as as you will all soon discover. But uh, it is definitely on my watch list, and, and I will be getting to it. I'm, I'm very excited to watch it. Like, <laughs> I I don't even know what to say. I... I, I Breaking Bad's my favorite TV show, but talking about The Wire is super hard for me because I think I can point out a lot of the specifics that I love so much in Breaking Bad. Uh, but when it comes to The Wire, it's like cohesively just so, so great and like perfect. All right. So, so is that everything you had to say about it? <laughs> Honestly? Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. Well, so my next pick is something we're getting back on track with series that we've both seen Fargo, the uh, crime anthology series loosely based on the Coen brothers movie. Kobe, you and I both, uh, I mean, I I, I know, I know breaking bad is absolutely your number one, Mm -hmm. but you know, Fargo, especially with some specific seasons of it has like warmed its way into this special place in my heart. It's it's absolutely among my top favorite shows, and and now mind you, every season isn't as strong as the last. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal favorite season is is the first season, probably followed by the second season, then the third and the fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe, yours is a, your list looks a little different than mine, though. I think, right? Uh, yeah, not much different, but I think I I think I prefer season two over season one. Um, but then it's the same three three then four. Yeah, well, and, and being an anthology series, every one of these seasons is its own independent story, which I I really appreciate anthology series. Sometimes following a story over like five seasons can can get to be a bit much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but when you have like a nice condensed story like this, like you have in Fargo, and and each season is its own narrative and its own experience and. 
I, you know, I really have to commend the fact that every season of Fargo feels unique Mm. because not only do we have new characters and a new story and a new setting, but the tone is changed. Uh, I think like stylistically, uh, yeah. And tonally they're very, very different from one another. Like, um, each of the four current seasons are like completely different TV shows. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, each season kind of, they're very loosely based on Fargo, obviously. Mm-hmm. I would love, uh, Kobe and I have both seen Fargo and we both love Fargo too. I would love to do an episode on at least something from the Coen brothers at some point, mm-hmm. if not Fargo itself. But they, throughout the seasons, they also pull references to other Coen movies. Uh, season three has some rather large Big Lebowski references. And, uh, you know, you'll, as you're watching through, if you've seen Cohen movies, you will spot plenty of references. The first season feels most like the movie because it's set in the same region. And the concept of the story is similar to the movie. Hmm. And then after that, they I, I think each season kind of changes something even more from that core narrative. And I, I will say, of course, that the first season, as much as it's like the movie, it's not at all a copy of the movie. It's completely unique. Mm-hmm. And the characters, while feeling inspired, are completely different. I think one thing I was just thinking of um, with how... Uh, the first season especially has these like inspirations from its source material, uh, at least in a sense. Obviously, they're completely different entities, but you have very similar elements throughout the first season and uh, Fargo, the film, but they're done in completely different ways, or the villains sort of uh, have different personalities. The, the cop character has a different demeanor you have all these things that uh, they tease you with and you're like, Oh my God, that's, that's just like it is in, in the movie. But then it's like, they throw that away and they're like, no, that's not actually how it is. Um, which I really like. It's, it really plays with your expectations for the first season, especially. Yep. Yet another great show. Give it a watch. Kobe, what's your next pick? I don't want to have to go back to breaking bad already, but I, I kind of do no, that's because fine. That's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> my, uh, breaking my next, <laughs> <laughs> my next pick is uh, Better Call Saul, which is the uh, uh, basically sort of prequel series to uh, Breaking Bad, being that it's mostly taking place before Breaking Bad. Um, this one I'm going to talk especially very little about because obviously if you don't want spoilers for Breaking Bad, you probably don't want anything for Better Call Saul. Um, well, I mean, I the spoilers for the two shows are pretty separate until like, I would say mid season two and oh, then season yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have, you have this, this main character, uh, Saul Goodman or Jamie McGill, as he's known in better call Saul, um, which I, I, I want to interject here and say that I think Saul is probably my favorite character in breaking bad. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's... So, Wonderful. having an entire spinoff series based around him is very, fun yeah i think a lot of people uh when they announced better call saul uh were expecting a sort of like goofball comedy because uh yeah i'm part of that camp because <laughs> saul in breaking bad he has his serious moments but for the most part he's cracking jokes and sort of like the sore thumb that's sticking out among these like brooding i mean other than like jesse or something like that but you have like all these characters trying to be scary and, and, and big. And you have uh, Saul just like talking about euphemisms and, and that sort of thing. So Saul brings a bit of levity to breaking bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's completely, uh, it makes sense to expect a comedy when they say they're making a show called better call Saul. Yeah, but I don't. I I think me and everyone else who thought that probably should have had a little bit more faith. Mm, yeah, that that wasn't what Vince Gilligan was going to do. 
<laughs> and indeed, yeah. I mean, Better Call Saul is is in no way a comedy. It's very much uh, a dark show, uh, very yeah. dark, just like Breaking Bad. And it has some like even darker routes. Um, obviously, you have some very low beats in Breaking Bad that like you're like, oh, my God, that's that's horrible. But yeah. in, in Better Call Saul. Don't expect it to be all like sunshine and lollipops. It's it's it can get really bad sometimes. And I think on the strength of the characters, too, mm -hmm. in Better Call Saul, uh, I mean, and, and not to say that this isn't true with Breaking Bad, it absolutely is in, in the case of certain characters, but there are some characters in Better Call Saul that I really don't like to see get hurt. Mm. And there can be some just really hard moments. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of characters, yeah, as you just mentioned... The characters in Better Call Saul are kind of on a different plane for me because a lot of them start out unlikable or likable, and as they progress, they become more and more like real people. Not that they aren't uh, to begin with, but they're developing, which is which is wonderful. And it's like almost every main character, or even like some small side characters are all like wonderful. They're, they're all really great additions and they don't feel out of place at all. Um, you have, you have characters like Hamlin, who's like this head of this, this big law firm and Jimmy hates him because, you know, he wants to be, he wants to be a lawyer and he feels like Hamlin has it out for him. And he feels like he's trying to force him to stay back and go do something else, whatever. And you have Chuck, uh, Jimmy's brother, who's like this. Uh, you don't really know how to feel about him as time goes on. Uh, you feel maybe he's trying to support his brother the best he can. And you have Kim, who probably my favorite character in Better Call Saul besides Jimmy himself. Uh, because she's so layered and clearly she cares for Jimmy. And it's like you don't know where they're going to take her. Um, and you have Nacho and and Mike and all these other characters, and it's just it's just a great mix. You have so many characters, and yet it's all very cohesive. And I keep using that word, but uh, I think a lot of the time that it's, makes it's a, a really good character. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, everyone, you can you can really take that as a, a sterling recommendation from Kobe. You could you could hear how excited he got as he brought up <laughs> each of those characters. Yeah. And I completely agree with them. They're all fantastic characters. I've unfortunately only seen up to season four. I've been waiting for season five to get added to Netflix. Hmm. Um, there, there are moments where Better Call Saul surpasses Breaking Bad for me. Mm -hmm. I, I know that you still hold Breaking Bad as like a, a, an absolute number one slot, but Better Call Saul is really well done. It's hard to say. Like a lot of people, again, might go into this feeling disappointed as compared to Breaking Bad, but it's absolutely not hard to say for me that it absolutely stands up to Breaking Bad at the very least. Um, and yeah, I think it surpass surpasses it at times um, with like the quality of the writing and these tonal changes and these, uh, I don't know, everything in Better Call Saul feels purposeful and very well planned out uh breaking bad could have turned out anyway since you like you're strapped in for this new drama by these people that have very little experience with their own show or like helming their own show um but with better call saul you feel like you're in good hands with these writers like you trust them and they don't disappoint all right so my next pick is another thing that Kobe unfortunately hasn't seen. And, and another thing, of course, that I am trying to convince him to watch. So hopefully this uh, continues to push him to do so. And that would be another Netflix series, BoJack Horseman. Mm -hmm. I, I really uh, didn't know what to expect going into this show. It's really deceptive on like first glance, if you watch trailers and you're trying to figure out if you want to get into it. 
you know, I, I expected it to be like an ironic animated comedy, you know, like something you would see on the the Fox animation block or something like that, like, you know, The Simpsons or, or Family Guy. And it's not that even in the slightest, you know, while being hilarious most of the time, it's just filled to the brim with tragedy and, and heart and, and drama. And Bojack, the uh, the titular character, of course, his is the scent uh, into like lower lows season by season mm-hmm. is really, really brilliant. Uh, the the way that the, the I, like I said, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the way that the show concludes is so real. Like you'd be really hard pressed. Like you have all these characters in this show who are animals and humans and they're all like cartoony. And yet somehow this show and what it is covering, the topics that it's covering, make it so real. Hmm. So you'd be hard pressed to find another animated show, despite everything that's in it, that is as real as this. And I, I mean, I really want to stress that. And, you know, it, it, it's well animated. It, it is funny most of the time until it gets depressing. Um, and there are some really standout episodes, too. It's, it's another situation where this has like a, 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 a generally a, a plot that continues across all of the seasons. Usually there will be like an independent plot in the one season and then something will happen with Bojack that will lead into what's happening in the next season. And that's kind of how it it goes through its arcs. But there's a couple episodes that are like almost standalone, kind of like that episode of Breaking Bad we talked about, Fly. Mm-hmm. There, there's one where Bojack goes to this city underwater. It's like this Atlantean-like city uh, filled with fish people. And these fish people are driving cars. They're doing like everything that people on the surface would do. It's, it's kind of funny because they're underwater, but Bojack has to wear this uh, breathing apparatus so that he can still have oxygen down there. And he can't figure out how to make the communication device on it work to speak. So the entire episode is without any kind of dialogue coming from Bojack, like well, it, it, really from anyone. It's 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 like as I recall it, it's it's almost like an entirely silent episode where the entire story is conveyed just simply through what's happening on screen and via the music. Mm. And you know, there's a couple other episodes in in the various seasons that are are like this that kind of resemble higher art to me, <laughs> if that's not too pretentious to say. <laughs> but anyway, that sums up my thoughts on Bojack. Kobe, what's your uh, next pick? Um, okay, I know this one's controversial, uh, but I still hold it pretty close in my heart. Um, one of the biggest shows ever on television, Game of Thrones. <laughs> this show, unfortunately, for a lot of people, went down in a in a blaze of fire and and pain rather than glory. Um, but I still hold the majority of the show very close. Um, I I got into it very late, like as season eight was airing. The show really has a pretty crazy amount of depth to it, especially being like this this very talked about show. I guess a lot of the time when I hear things like that, uh, I go into it sort of expecting to be let down because I don't know. I think a lot of the time when things are talked about that much, it it just feels like, oh, what if I miss something or like what if I what if I don't feel that same connection? But pretty much from the first episode, I was I was hooked onto Game of Thrones because it's like funny and super super interesting. Uh, they like immediately pile on all this 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 impending doom and and lore like in the first episode, and they just keep piling it up as as time goes on, and you're always just waiting for this this release. And when it finally comes, it's like it's some of the most amazing moments on on television. Uh, no joke. Uh, season one has Eddard Stark and his family, and it, things seem good, and 
it just devolves and devolves and you get more worried for these characters and they always say you know don't don't get invested in characters in game of thrones because most likely they're gonna die or they're gonna they'll be sent off into some foreign land whatever it is uh and that's 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 pretty true there's a lot of really awesome characters in the show that you're gonna get like super attached to uh and then they'll just die one episode and that can seem like a letdown for a lot of people but it it's it works so well i think throughout every season that uh you're always just like tensed up waiting for it uh and you're like already crying on the inside but game of thrones also just has a lot of really uh huge moments that you can go back and return to again i'm going to talk very broadly because ruining the experience for people is not something i want to do uh you hear talk about the red wedding won't mention anything beyond that and the battle of the bastards and the night king and like I don't know. It's just such a it's it's an epic. It's an epic like Lawrence of Arabia or War and, Pre- War and Peace, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not as like Big praise. Mon- yeah, maybe not as monumental as those things. I'm not saying like it's on the same quality of those. I haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia or War and Peace. Whatever. High in my you know, they're high in my priority list. But when mm-hmm. I say when I say epic, I guess I just mean it's it's sprawling. It's massive. Uh, there's hundreds of characters uh, and environments and relationships and all these sorts of things. It, it's just a big, it's a big show. And I know the last season, the last two seasons didn't live up to people's expectations to the point where they're, they're calling the rest of it terrible. But uh, my personal opinion, don't let that ruin the entire show for you if you haven't seen it watch it um if you have seen it and you refuse to watch it because of the last couple seasons get over it (laughs) that's that's just how i feel i guess okay well yeah i haven't seen uh game of thrones either (laughs) if that can be believed again i own i own hbo but (laughs) i haven't watched it uh the the things that have been said about the final seasons have uh they, they turned me off a little bit not because I buy into everything that they're saying, but because I I realize that George R. R. Martin is still writing right. the books. And I have very strong feelings about uh, TV series or movies or whatever, really finishing a story before the author has had a chance mm-hmm. to do it themselves. I mean, of course knowing all the memes that we know around George R. R. Martin, is he ever going to finish? Yeah, it? He's not exactly knows? in a hurry. Yeah. But, but if Kobe's going to compare, <laughs> okay. To okay. Novel, That's not... <laughs> I guess I better get on watching it. Huh? Anyone, anyone that is a huge Tolstoy fan out there. Um, my apologies. It's game of Thrones. Isn't as good. Okay. I'm sorry. I haven't read war and peace. I haven't seen war and peace. I'm sorry. Uh, all right well so uh my next pick i uh i thought it might be a good idea to pick something that kobe and i aren't in complete agreement on and that would be a little bit more divisive Uh, yeah and that is a tv series created by one of my favorite directors david lynch twin peaks yep (laughs) kobe how do you feel about twin peaks let's 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 do this litmus test on you um I don't want to be too harsh, but I will say that I uh, I was incredibly disappointed with this. Uh, I guess I went in not really knowing what to expect. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a big David Lynch fan to begin with. In fact, I I have some pretty strong opinions about David Lynch's uh, the movies that I've seen. But yeah, hopefully we'll do an episode on a David Lynch movie <laughs> at some point so that you you all can hear Kobe just absolutely torment himself (laughs) and uh and twin peaks was just like taking the runtime of a of a david lynch film that i already would have a hard time sitting through and stretching it over a season or two seasons which uh sorry to admit i have only seen the first season i saw a couple episodes of season two and i had to stop i couldn't i couldn't bear going on um i guess 
on some level, that's okay. The first season is the only one that was directed by Lynch right. himself in in its entirety, aside from the last episode of season two, and I think a couple odd ones out. So. I guess not that. I guess either. I just if it's like obviously it's it's parodying uh, soap operas of the time with a lot of elements, and there's a literal soap opera, soap opera in the show that's like you know that shows that it's very self aware, but. Yeah, it's a <laughs> the uh, just that soapy feel to everything, the awkward acting, and the very long scenes of nothing, and the, the dancing and the 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 singing from from the the dad of Laura Palmer, this this girl that went or that girl that was murdered. I just can't handle it. It's so much. It's like it makes me feel like I'm sitting there on my couch just watching it, and I just sink into my sink into my couch and i'm just like i have my fins like my fists like tensed and i'm just like get me out of here it feels it feels uncomfortable to be there for me <laughs> well i mean a hundred percent i mean you can like just listen to the man himself talk about it it is attempting and i think very successfully parody parodying um soap operas that is absolutely true and I think it plays to the show really well. I mean, you know, Twin Peaks as a town, it's it's this hokey little town where it seems like everything is always hunky-dory and everyone is friendly. And then, you you know, you kind of like, as you're digging in, as, as the show goes on and you're learning about all these characters and you kind of learn about how messed up they all are <laughs> underneath everything, underneath these like soap opera veneers. And I, I really like that. This kind of like it really like starts heavy on the soap opera concept. And I feel like as as time goes on, it retains that aesthetic, but it kind of deconstructs mm -hmm. it. And you know, like one thing that people will always say about the work of David Lynch is that it's really uh, compassionate. And I think there's a lot of compassion and positive emotions in in mm. twin peaks you know aside from like all of the horrible things mm -hmm. that are happening I, I really do think that it has a very positive message i mean dale cooper uh is i guess probably the only thing that you actually like about the show uh right? yeah oh. him and him and the the sheriff i i really like their relationship and i like the the sheriff whose name is <laughs> yeah, harry yes former president harry s truman uh <laughs> I yeah no I I really like their relationship and I like both of them as individual characters I guess I just don't like the grand the grand scheme of things I like this this isolated element yeah I mean I don't hold anything against you for not loving the show like I do I think it's a really divisive one not just for you but for mm -hmm. a lot of people and I think that there would be a lot of people who would be turned off of watching something in the style right. that it's in I grew up watching like old westerns and like the andy griffith show and yes sometimes soap operas with mm -hmm. my grandmother and there's a lot of that kind of stuff present and obviously twin peaks is drawing inspiration from like older eras of television yeah i don't know uh if you if you have seen something from david lynch before and you like his stuff, I, I think that there's no reason not to watch Twin Peaks. If you've never seen anything from David Lynch, I actually think that Twin Peaks may be the best introduction mm -hmm. to him. Yes, you have to sit through more hours of content and potentially you won't like it like Kobe, but it's also maybe the shallowest end of the pool, so to speak. <laughs> um maybe elephant oh, man for, for sure would be sure. another another suggestion i would have if you're wanting to get into david lynch you know like don't don't immediately dive into the deep end of the pool which would be like a racer head or mulholland drive or blue velvet I, well, blue velvet's kind of in the middle but don't don't immediately jump into the deep end because you might turn yourself off kobe did start with a racer head and I, I, I think it kind of, I, I'm not saying his opinion would be at all different, but it gave him probably the weirdest perspective he could have mm. had going in. It's it's actually funny. Um, now that I've seen 
the first season of Twin Peaks and seen Mulholland Drive, I think I like Eraserhead more uh, on reflection. I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's something I love, but I guess in comparison, it's something I would absolutely be willing to watch again. So, well, and you know, I'm glad to hear that because I would, I would absolutely love to do an episode on Eraserhead and some of his mm-hmm. other movies. We'll go, we'll go straight in with Lost Highway uh, or. <laughs> the other one well i haven't seen lost highway my myself so (laughs) even better even better i i also haven't seen inland empire which i've heard is uh more divisive (laughs) than most (laughs) so i don't know but i am a lynch fan he doesn't really disappoint me with anything that he does (laughs) i i i love the man himself i I do like david lynch kobe what's your sorry i i I do want to say i do like david lynch i don't like his movies i like david lynch as a person he seems funny, and I, I enjoy watching interviews with him. He feels he's like a very, very free spirit, very unique personality. Yeah, he's he's really. Uh, I think he anyway. He's really mm-hmm. genuine. He's really true yeah. to himself. What's your last pick? My last pick is um, the X Files, which probably still my my like my second favorite show of all time. Uh, I cannot for the life of me remember everything because it is a it is a big show at like i guess it's technically like 11 seasons now with the with the revival but um this series has a very special place in my heart too because um i'm i'm really into like cryptids and uh like myths and like that sort of thing um and they sort of interject interject that's not the right word i'm a dumb uh they they add crazy kooky myths and stuff like that into a serious drama about uh big brother and the the government trying to to hide things from us and uh you have our two wonderful protagonists in Mulder and scully and there's so many places that the show goes that it's it's really like Every episode is unexpected because it's either like a monster of the week, which is uh, I know a lot of fans really like those because they're separate from uh, the main storyline, but they have some uh, some crazy paranormal being on the other side of it uh, on like facing Mother and Scully. And then you have the uh, the mythos episodes, which are more about uh, government conspiracy and the main storyline and that sort of thing. Uh, and it can be, it can be a bit jarring, I think, but it's, it's just a joy for me to watch. Uh, I, I guess with how much I love, uh, Mulder and Scully, as well as all the other, like supporting cast, you, you've seen the X-Files. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad that the X-Files was one of your picks because if it hadn't been one of yours, I would have had to have bumped something else off to put it on mine. Uh, I've been an X-Files fan, again, for a very, very, very long, very, very long time. Mm. And yeah, Mulder and Scully are pretty much like the the perfect protagonists for the show because you have one who is, you know, a, a believer and he he desperately wants to believe everything that he sees and wants to find the truth and scully is endlessly the skeptic you know even as they're making all of these discoveries and coming across all of these things um you know she she remains pretty genuinely skeptical (laughs) um even as things continue to get more exotic and i i am one of the people who does prefer the monster of the week episodes Mostly because you get more Monster of the Week episodes than anything else, mm-hmm. but also because there's a, a wide range of different types of emotions and concepts that they try and go after. Mm. You know, the Mythos episodes, I would say the first three seasons have really good Mythos episodes and a really good solid storyline. And then season four is is pretty good and then after that the mythos kind of starts falling apart Mm -hmm. the way that the mythos episodes are resolved by the end of the series is like 
my my biggest complaint with the X Files. <laughs> that was where they kind of lost me a bit. But even up to those last seasons, which aren't as strong, the Monster of the Week episodes very widely you know there's some ones that are almost entirely skippable but there's also really 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 strong monster of the week episodes uh, my personal three favorites are postmodern prometheus which is an episode entirely in black and white and it's more of a comedic tone but it, it also it, it kind of resembles some some lynchian concepts and share is like a, a massive plot detail in this episode i don't have you made it to this i don't think you've made it to this episode yet is that correct Kobe? um no my my rewatch has been very 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 slow um no i don't think so yeah so i mean you know i i, I don't know where kobe stands on it but that that's easily in my favorite episode my second favorite episode is the it's either season three or four and that is home. It's basically the X Files take on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. It's easily, in my opinion, uh, the X Files. As much as I like it, has never really managed to scare me. There were there are a couple odd episodes out that are scarier than others, but Home is by far and away the most like disturbing and and messed up. <laughs> And, and hard to watch. I mean, it's it's honestly like amazing to me that that episode aired on on network television because it gets brutal. It's pretty like, yeah. more so than any other episode. It's pretty horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, Home is definitely an episode that I like. It's pretty ingrained in my mind at this point. Um, as you said, not very scary. I think there's like a few things that stick out in my mind, like the fluke man. Um, but yeah, home is, is definitely a much must watch. Um, I almost feel like it's something I like about the monster of the week episodes is that they they feel kind of standalone. Um, and that maybe it wouldn't be best obviously to just drop in and watch a random monster of the week episode. But I it, think you could, though. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think you're wrong about that. I think if someone didn't have the time to watch the entire series, picking out like a handful of uh, these like standout episodes, it's not like you're going to be missing anything. Mm -hmm. You're just getting a really solid story in the moment. Right. So I think along with that, uh, home is one end of the spectrum in how like surprisingly brutal and horrifying it is. Uh, you mentioned postmodern Prometheus, which is a sort of comedic episode, uh, <laughs> but there is one episode I I really love called uh, Jose Chung's From Outer Space, uh, which is pretty much the other end of the spectrum, almost entirely a comedic episode. Uh, it deals with like fourth wall breaks, and uh, I I honestly have a hard time describing it. It's it feels so out of place and yet so perfect at the same time um i don't know if you remember that one specifically but it, like i said it's been a long time since i've seen it i do vaguely it it involved uh the conspiracy group that Mulder um is is friends with right the lone gunman yeah 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 i so i have like a vague recollection but nothing like concrete <laughs> it's i think it's like uh it's it's like a retelling of of this guy's like alien abduction but he keeps like changing the story and it gets more and more ridiculous uh and there's it's like it's indescribable i don't know yeah well and my my third pick for uh one of my favorite episodes is it's called bad blood mm. this is like a later season four episode i want to say and Mulder and Scully are like investing, investigating for uh, vampires in this town. And I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a very comedic episode. And it, it stars Luke Wilson as the like sheriff, I guess, if I'm remembering right. And the tone of the episode is certainly entirely comedic and there's a lot of like layers of Mulder and Scully just getting the wool pulled over their eyes but in a very funny way <laughs> but do you have anything else to say about X-Files 
Uh, no, not really. Just Fox Mulder, Dana Scully, some of my favorite characters in media, I think, overall. And uh, so my last pick is, and I'm sure this will come as absolutely no surprise, I, I half of the picks we had on this list have been HBO series, The Sopranos. Mm. Um, the Sopranos, I'm pretty sure everyone should know about. It's legendary at this point, even more so than any of the other shows that we talked about. I mean, it's like cultural and pop culture significance is not to be understated. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's fantastic. It's it's Goodfellas in TV form over a long series of seasons and all of the characters are fantastic and you know everything in the show is so natural i feel like for Mm. the most part because it doesn't i feel like in broad terms the sopranos doesn't do overarching story in the way that breaking bad does Mm -hmm. it's much more of like a of a natural loose pace it has it has like a, a definite narrative and each season has more of like a theme but you know it the best part about the the show is the fact that it like yes on the surface it's this show about the jersey mob it's the show about tony soprano but it, underlying all of that david chase like is critiquing so much about american society especially in the late 90s into the early 2000s that like turn of the century moment Mm -hmm. so it's it's all about like this concept of american life and this like modernizing that everyone is is doing post 90s and you know tony soprano is such an interesting character because he's he's got all these like mental issues you know like the a big part of the show is him going to these meetings with his psychiatrist uh dr melfi Mm. and this is an interesting concept because he's supposed to be like this big tough mobster you know he's like the boss of the jersey mob and if any of his subordinates if any of his friends knew that he was going to see a psychiatrist if he was going to see a shrink they would give him just all kinds of shit. And so there's like this layer in that of like, you know, Tony is dealing with uh, issues surrounding masculinity and, and, and like toxic masculinity in, in the mob that isn't allowing him to get like the mental health assistance that he needs. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say exactly about the Sopranos. I, I really, I, I put it on this list because it needed to go on this list, but I really, really want to do an episode on The Sopranos where we deep dive it. Mm-hmm. Kobe, you you did start watching it, right? Yeah, I'm I'm one season in. Uh, I don't really have anything to say uh, on top of what you just said. Uh, I think it's immensely entertaining. That's uh, <laughs> that's about all I can add there. Um, definitely excited for for the rest. Yeah, and I mean, you know, James Gandolfini is such a fantastic actor mm-hmm. and he really brings Tony Soprano to life. I, I love Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, that's probably my favorite mob movie that I've seen, but something about how the Sopranos plays out, I feel like really suits the, the, the mafia story. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It, it works really well. Uh, absolutely. 100%. Once Kobe's done with the series, I want to do an episode. So <laughs> expect us to talk about it more there. Honestly, I shouldn't have to convince anyone to watch it. <laughs> if you're not interested in watching it already, it's like you're you're not ever going to watch it, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean that that covers our our 10 picks for the uh for our recommendations that you can binge in what remains of the pandemic. Uh you know, I mean, hopefully everyone is is still doing their best to shelter in place and you know, as you're doing that, you you need something to watch. Pick up one of these shows. They're all fantastic. Pick up a couple of them. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, you know, you you suffered through all the uh, adjectives and, and verbiage. <laughs> Obviously, it's uh, pretty clear that we love these series. And 
Um, I, it, it's hard to come up with more intricate wording sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, this has been episode six of the Synchronicity podcast. I'm Destin. And I'm Kobe. And we're signing off. We'll see you in the next one.